It's Thursday, March 5th, 2020, and you're listening to episode 538 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 43 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. And I'm Dale. So after doing this podcast for nearly 14 years, and I've been in podcasting in general even longer, all right? So I've been in podcasting in general probably 15 years. I literally started podcasting almost as soon as the art of podcasting or the technology of podcasting was created. When Apple invented it. Yes. When when Apple invented it and you, and had you can to have only an iPod, have an iPod. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the funny thing about that for people listening now who did not go through that stage, there is some dispute about where the noun podcast came from. But at the time, everyone presupposed that podcast came from the Apple iPod, and they assumed by extension you had to have an iPod to consume them. And so we actually had to have on our business cards a note that you didn't need an iPod to listen to our show, because that was a real constant thing. We'd go up to people and be like, hey, role-playing game podcast, you want to check us out? And that was back when saying you had a role-playing podcast actually was fairly unusual. Now, like, everyone has one. But hmm. you could go out to these people and say Eric that. has five. And <laughs> yeah. He's got more than his share when the pod communists come in. <laughs> they're going to put other families on four of his shows. Yes. <laughs> and But we would go up to people and say, hey, we got a podcast about tabletop gaming, blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, oh, I'd love to listen, but I don't have an iPod. And they were serious. They were like, it wasn't a polite blow off. Of, you know, I'd love to, but I'm washing my hair that day. Mm-hmm. They really were like, I would love to, but I don't own an iPod. And we got tired of explaining that. But anyway, as for our podcast tonight, if you catch a little background noise, that's Charlie entertaining himself with a bone. And also my heater's on the fritz, so there's a space heater in the room. I apologize for that, but... There's not much I can do, because if I took Charlie's bone away or kicked him out... This is quiet for him. Yes, yes, yeah. we get more noise. Yes. There's no squeaky. No, there's no squeaky, there's no barking. Not that he barks much, but... Yeah, well, if, if I... He gets one, if a certain brodeur winds <laughs> his little key up, then he uh, starts yeah. barking. Well, and if he's people attached. Yeah. So if I threw him out of the room, he'd be whining outside the door and probably scratching at the door, trying to be with us. Mm-hmm. But anyway, usually I'm just letting him lick my entire arm <laughs> the entire time. I know you were long sleeves yeah. today. You took yes. away his salt lick. I yeah. seriously. Yeah. It's actually a huge improvement. When Dan first got him, he would come in and chew on your arm instead. <laughs> <laughs> this was back in the not even the old house, the house before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Charlie and I have a detente. He ignores me. I ignore him. We're both. Well, I don't know if he's happy. I'm happy. So, oh, he's fine. Yeah. I, he's happy dog. probably one of the happiest dogs I have ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Like on every Monday, I take him down to my parents' place because we have a family dinner down there, which everyone but Tex shows up to because Tex lives in Seattle. But the whole rest of the family shows up. And the moment I put him in the car, he is literally wagging his tail the entire car drive down. Hmm. He's just sitting there wagging his tail the whole way down. I mean, he is just always happy. I have never, well, I have, but I so rarely seen him get worked up about anything except his one bit of racism. (laughs) 
he really hates deer. Mm-hmm. He's fine with every other animal. He doesn't care about other dogs, cats, mice, squirrels. Oh, deer, you are not welcome around here. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, he has got... I saw him outside, and there were some deer up in the woods, and he was burning a wooden antler. I mean, <laughs> he's got it in for those deer. But I actually have some stories about that. Maybe we'll save those for a negative episode. But anyway, about Charlie and deer, not about burning things in people's yards. <laughs> that part was a joke. Uh, but so today's topic, before we, we hit the topics, oh. we've got a couple quick announcements. Okay. Fear the con is out there feartheconcom points to the right site yay and games are being posted take a look see what's out there sign up for games sign up to run games uh next announcement by the next episode we will have going live the new patreon tiers keep an eye out on social media keep an eye out on patreon to see what they are and next episode we'll do a quick rundown of exactly what the new levels are and what they mean. Yeah, I'd tell you. So right now, this year is shaping up to be a year of kind of big change with the podcast. Now, we're not messing with the formula of what we produce for the show or anything like that. So don't think we're about to overhaul this show into something that's not. That, that's not what I'm talking about. But there are a lot of ancillary things we do that are going to get a lot of much-needed attention. Because I feel that ever since we started this show... You know, we approached it with a really high standard of quality, both in terms of the recording studio, in terms of how we approach topics, how much editing we do prior to release, so on and so forth. I'm not saying there's nothing to criticize. There always is. But we always put a pretty high bar for ourselves. But that's not been true of everything else we've done. And we right now have in the works reworks of the following things and i'm not committing to dates on any of them but i will just tell you it's not like we intend to do this the work has already begun number one is consolidating our websites so that if you go to feartheboot.com you will have immediate access to our other sites like the ap site to skies of glass to con planner uh, so on and so forth. So yep. all that's going to be consolidated under one roof. We've heard the feedback that people don't know where some of the stuff is. Yeah, and asking people to go to 20 sites to find our stuff is kind of silly. So I'm already working on a mock-up site that puts it all under one roof. The second thing is the one that Wayne just talked about. He's committing to next week, so I'll go with that. Yep. Of The Patreon is going to get a massive revision. We are going to improve it. If you are already paying for a particular level, you're not going to lose anything. This is about adding some additional tiers, some additional options, things that we believe would be of value to to you and are also going to be within our reach to consistently produce. But let me stress, if you're already backing at a tier, you're not going to lose anything. The Skies of Glass RPG, both Wayne and VC are doing an enormous amount of work on that, and they are getting my ass in gear to actually give them information, which they are consolidating, revising, giving suggestions. I owe them a lot, but the Skies of Glass rules are actually coming along a lot faster than I ever thought they would. We're about to have the return of one, maybe two hosts to the show. Yeah, we've got multiple hosts coming back. Brodor is going to be coming back for several months. He is uh, quitting his current job as of early March. 
and he is going to be rejoining the regular show rotation as of early to mid-March. And Chris Hussey is back in the lower 48. Yes. And back in our time zones. We couldn't talk him into St. Louis, but he is moving to Michigan, so he will be at least back somewhere close by and hopefully in a place that doesn't have trash internet like he had in <laughs> Iowa. His past three places he lived had trash internet. Yeah, and I mean, that was the major reason we couldn't have Chris on was his internet, to be blunt, was so horrible that we couldn't hear anything he was saying. And we certainly couldn't add video, which is a much-needed element, to do a podcast like that because you need the visual to know how to riff off of each other. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to... Another bit of revision, which is the podcast studio is going to be moved into another room and restructured, which will bring probably not much change to the current show. We're going to be swapping out a bit of old hardware, which is something called a compressor gate expander, which actually does a huge amount for the show's audio quality. If you don't know what it is, don't worry about it. But... The main thing that's going to bring quality to is we're going to be adding two mics and attaching the mics to the AP table. So instead of one Omni mic just sitting in the middle of the AP, there will now be individual mics for each person, and that should drastically improve the audio quality of the actual play. When this happens, I'm going to become the sound Nazi (laughs) because I've listened to the actual play and... The it's game trash. is incredible, incredibly good. <laughs> the game's good, but the audio quality you've got trash. people playing with dice when they're not rolling. You've got bags of chips and things. Well, and some of this I can help with. Now, oh, people opening bags of chips or munching and crunching into the mics, I can't yeah. help you with. But the new setup does include, what are they called, like ties or something? for the, They're floating mics now. All the mics will be shock absorbent. So if somebody bangs the table or is playing with dice, that won't transfer up into the mics the way it does now, where now we can't even touch the table. But it will get to a point where you can slam your fist on the table and it will not enter into the sound. So that's going to be a huge improvement for both shows. But the AP, and on top of that, we're also looking at giving it a short intro and outro to reintroduce who's playing what character so you guys can follow, especially people that don't listen to the main show. If I interchangeably say Chad versus Gil versus Lee, (laughs) you'll have some context on who I'm talking to. And we've also decided that every maybe about four to eight shows, we're going to do a plot thus far. Mm -hmm. So people that want to join in don't have to go back two years of audio to at least get the gist of what's going on in the in the game. Yep. Also to help out on making it be more approachable, we've talked about adding in some one shots to be able to have things to listen to here and there that aren't tied to a much larger campaign. Yeah, and also to give us a chance to just play around with some other IPs and such. We still intend to keep the long campaigns going, but yeah, there's all kinds of changes coming to Fear the Boot in 2020. And I believe you guys will like all of them, or at least be indifferent to all of them, (laughs) if not like them. But, I mean, if you've got your own thoughts or own things that are really, you know, getting a bee in your bonnet, you can hit us up on Facebook or Discord. I'm not promising anything, but we do actually pay attention to the feedback you guys give. And if you're a Patreon backer, 
you might even have your own channel on the Discord that just gets to us. Yes, there's about Ooh. to be a Discord channel at a particular backer level that is direct access to the host. And unlike every other way of contacting me, I have committed to actually reading this. So. <laughs> I'll believe that when I see it. I'll just give you access to my login. <laughs> Some people That's like where it was going anyway. So. <laughs> Some people like VC have learned the best way to contact Dan is to poke me and then I'll poke him when I come over. Yeah. Or Good. Then, you're a secretary now. <laughs> I'm retiring. I uh, say so they've been doing that with Chad. Uh, mm -hmm. The best way to get to Dan is to poke Chad. So. Anyway, all right, so are we good on announcements? We got we're anything? good. All right, so we're good on announcements. So the show topic for today originated rather unexpectedly. Usually these come up in conversations on the forums or in the restaurant. You know, no, it, it's two minutes after we sit down yeah. at the mics. What are we going to talk about, guys? Well, that's but I, where the, well, in this case, we sat down with like four potential topics. Yeah, that's And we're true. not doing any of those. Right, right. Thanks, Dale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because as we were prepping it, we were downstairs oh, in the kitchen. Larry, really. And I was taking out the trash because mm. the trash comes from my place tomorrow morning. I've forgotten like the past two or three weeks. Happy <laughs> Jacks are just too busy with their Kickstarter. I know. I take out your trash. I say, freaking pull out your stupid tarot cards <laughs> and read in there. The upside down trash can. It is in great distress. <laughs> Where are you, idiots? Mm -hmm. I expect much better from all of them. I don't. I do. <laughs> I, I refuse to go easy on them just because they're California foreigners. Mm. I refuse yeah. to go easy on them. Californiaers. I'm making up my own words now. Excellent. But anyway, topic for today came up in my living room while I was taking out the trash about five minutes before we sat down. And we have not had a really rugged debate on this show in a while. I mean, we typically see pretty eye to eye. We might have different angles, but we come to about the same place. But we found that there was something that we have three different camps on amongst four people. And the topic here is splat books or not a book you sneeze in and then close real quick. Yeah. So, okay. So anyone who doesn't know what a splat book is. That would be a good use for them, though. Yeah. So ah, let's. Uh, uh, I don't want to lock this into D and D because every time it's this, going to get locked into. I D &D. know every time this gets brought up, it's locked into D and D. But I'm going to use D and D as my example. If you don't know what a splat book is, if you have the core three, so you have the player's handbook, the DM's guide, the monster manual, maybe I'll accept a fourth, which is a setting book. That's your core three or four to play D and D, and quote-unquote, everything you need to play D&D is included in those books. It's heavily play-tested. Everyone is familiar with <laughs> is the it, contact. Is it, though? Well, <laughs> is it even QA? Do they even spell check? I mean, but I like 5th edition, but it's not okay, balanced well, Can we anything? at least go with this? <laughs> you know what to expect. Yeah, All okay. Right? No, so that's fair. If you yeah. say you're playing a 15th level wizard, you know what to expect. Right. And two, everyone is at least generally familiar with the content. Mm -hmm. If I tell you I'm playing a druid, I don't have to explain in detail a druish princess to what a druid is. <laughs> she doesn't look druish. <laughs> <laughs> you shot my <laughs> I couldn't even make it. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. At least they're not Monty Python quotes. So, no, no, you know, no. That's all right. That's yeah. all right. 
It's been a while since I've heard more than one uh, Spaceball quote from anyone other than me. Lone Star! <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> That's okay. fine. That could have also been a Shadowrun reference. So No, it wasn't. Not I know. for me. I know no. it wasn't. <laughs> I just said that to agitate you. <laughs> but, so in D&D, if you add in a book that's, I don't think I'd call Xanthar's splat. I think Xanthar's is... is per- I want supplements. Yeah, well, let's go back to 3E. 3E had tons of splat. If you were playing a regular fighter or regular monk, you knew what that was. You add in a book called Sword and Fist, which created a whole bunch of new prestige classes. Well, wow, that sounds like a kinky book that uh, Wizards would ban. <laughs> Actually, now that you mentioned it, kind of does. The Book of Vile Sword and Fist. <laughs> At that point, every class has its own book that has its own details on it. Yeah. Every race seems to have their own Well, book. and they also added in a lot of new feats for yeah. those classes. There are a lot of books that are optional for D&D. Like oh, my God. Why did no one make the Hobbit's Book of Feats and it's F-E-E-T-S? Uh, why, I bet it exists. Why has Don't there worry. get on this, Dale? Once, I, <laughs> once we get past our immediate round of projects, Gnarl Knows Knowles is still mm-hmm. coming. Mm-hmm. And I also, at some point, once I can get Johnny G freed up, because he's been really busy with his job, mm-hmm. we're going to sit down and do the Odiug book called Shit Igloo <laughs> that's going to have activities mm-hmm. a la Secret Lives of Gingerbread Men that involve making fudge and using that to figure out your town but it's going to be wonderful it's going to be awful it's probably going to be banned from everywhere i hope so but gnarl knows knowles all spelled with a g mm-hmm. so knows with a g n o w that's all I, I absolutely want to do these but those would be examples of splat books mm-hmm. these are not part of the primary core canon of the game now you could find these in other games for example in BattleTech has its primary rule book which is going to come in the form of either the box that you bought or if you want the bigger expanded book, Total Warfare. But Battletech does also have its own splat books. For example, in case we ended up playing a Battletech AP at some point, I was curious to see the expanded mech construction rules. Well, the expanded mech construction rules that they've released now account for a lot of things that have been described in the setting but never statted. For example, they have rules in there for building work mechs and ag mechs and other things like that and then slapping weapons onto them or not. And you take a work mech and you go out there and this thing has basically a high-end diesel engine and its weapons are like a combine and a forklift and putting those on the... And that's a splat book. You know, Battletech was going to be my example besides D&D because at home I have a box that's taller than this table that I got from Chad <laughs> that are all Battletech books. When you go through them, you've got every era has its own books. You've got different mech type books. You've got different location books. You've got dropship books. You've got spaceship books. You've got book after book after book after book. Yeah. It, it definitely covers all of that. And as you go through different times, you get scope creep. Because then you have, like, the clans invading, you have the clan mechs, and you can't put a clan mech against one of your original mechs from the earlier era, because it'll just crush it. Now, you're saying that, like, that's a bad thing. I am. So now that we've set up, for anyone who doesn't know, what a splat book is, and these exist in any game that's successful enough to get the budget to get one, so we're not just talking D&D here, the debate on splat books, I hate them, and here's why. Should we go around the table and okay, get okay. the hot take real we'll do, quick? We'll do the hot take of 
You hate them. I hate them, Wayne. I think some of them are fascinating, but I don't want to run them in my game. We're going to call that hate. Yeah. I, I, I truly I truly don't care. <laughs> and and I mean, that like, is a position we're going to explore. Like, deeply, profoundly, in the cockles of my heart, nay, even the subcockle area, I, I just don't, I don't care. Now, for me, just, uh, I used to spend, you know, like a Saturday whenever I wasn't in a game, running a game, prepping for a game. I'll just spend it lying on the couch with a, uh, with a supplement and just reading it just for fun. Well, and you role playing games aren't fun, Dale. We don't read them for fun. This is serious business. I haven't seen a serious business book since freaking Shadowrun First Edition. Who? <laughs> you needed a degree in that one. But even by Shadowrun Second Edition, it was fine. But First Edition, wow. So uh, the topic comes from my last pitch session. Yes. Where I specifically, when I was pitching the D&D Fifth Edition game, I said. The three core rule books plus Xanthar's Guide to Everything are on the table, and none of the other books are. And I said, not even, what was the uh, the one with all the the other races? It was Volos, right? Uh, whatever it was, we didn't okay. own a physical copy of it. Okay. Well, you now, you see, as a player, the, a potential player in that game, I would have been happy to go and buy you a copy just to hand it to you and say, here, can I play this? No, right you have here. to understand that Wayne and I... We are full of microaggressions, <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff in D&D that we unperson. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain why I hate these splat books. When I walk into a game as a GM, I want one of two things, preferably both. One is to know the content, or two, if I don't know the content, to at least trust that it is balanced, that this is an outward creep, not an upward creep. And there have been many moments that have burned me. There have been many times someone has whipped out a side book or a canonical magazine, like Dragon Magazine, you know, or, or White Dwarf or whatever, and thrown in some crap that I had never heard of. And it annoyed me because it's like, really? Yeah, we've got to put this in here for no reason other than to amuse you. But I want to know the content. I want to know what it is you're playing and to understand how it fits into the world. But the other thing that I really want to know, so if not number one, then I at least want to know number two, is to have some good reason to blindly trust its balance. And one thing I will give to Battletech is there have been exceptions, but for the most part, their splat is outward, not upward. I'm going to exclude the clans. I was going to say, uh, the entire (laughs) epoch-changing clans where they completely took a left turn on the game? Oh, no, I completely agree. (laughs) That's not a splat book. That's just them shit all over the old stuff. Well, yeah, and that's my point. Because they want to get rid of it because they're getting sued. The reason I'm going with the clans is not splat is the clans, they were it, core. It's Battletech 2.0 is yeah, what it, it is. It's, yeah. It was core Battletech. Yeah. You know, if you were playing in 3049 forward, the clans were part of your game. Yeah, because you they had to get rid of the old mechs because they stole them sure. from, you know, Robotech. And from Robotech. Well, Macro, Japanese Macro. Harmony Gold, yeah. basically. And there was big, they were getting sued out of existence, and so they had to make it to where people didn't want to play them anymore. Yeah. And they did that by basically saying, okay, well, we have this new thing, the clans, they're so cool. Ten-time power level difference. I mean, don't even bother getting into one of the old mechs. There's no point. 
you will just die in this tactical game that is about, well, not getting your ass shot off. Yeah, and but like I said, I accept that, except with E-X-C-E-P-T, so I'm excluding that mm-hmm. because of the fact that it was the core direction yeah. of the game. I disagreed with it, mm-hmm. just like I didn't like what the Time of Troubles brought to Forgotten Realms, but I accept that out of the discussion simply because of the fact that it was part of the core game. Mm-hmm. So there were exceptions. For example, they had a gear guide that was a supplement to MechWarrior 3rd Edition, I think. And I don't remember what it was called, but that was definitely an upward creep that had, to be honest, no real contextual place in the universe apart from upward creep. But most of their stuff is outward creep. You know, you have your mech book. Well, here's your spaceship book. Well, that doesn't eliminate anything in the mech book. It doesn't override anything in the mech book. It just details a new portion of the universe. Just eliminated numbers from your bank account. Well, yes, <laughs> yes. And I, it's not necessary to play the game. Correct. But So I do want to say, I understand why somebody would want some of the extra books. And part of it comes from a gaming style that I've never experienced. If somebody has played a lot of the same game, I can see them getting tired of the races and the classes. Yes. I've never experienced that because we don't play the same game over and over and over again. We have variety in our games. Yeah. So I don't ever... There's always something I haven't tried in any given system. Well, and where I really got burned by this, it was in D&D, and it was by a book I have mentioned on this show multiple times. It was Sword and Fist. You know, people were always talking about how in 3.0 and 3.5, the monk was this wildly underpowered, weak class. Oh, man, Mm -hmm. you are going to get... No, wait, let me change that. I'm going to get so many people reaching out to me to ping you to tell you how wrong you are. I'm not saying you're wrong or right. Right. But the last time you got on this podcast and said, the monk is overpowered, hate the monk, they just don't die, they just kill instant. I don't know if you're right or wrong. I don't care. They came out of the f***ing woodwork well, here's to the, get you. And they're not wrong. Okay, <laughs> let me explain. They're like, you're wrong, dead monk's crazy together. The, the core monk mm. is not... A disruptive presence in the game. You add in sword and fist, holy shit. I mean, it was unbelievable. This guy who's playing a book legal monk, and every round he'd pull something out. I'm like, there is no way that's in the book. Mm -hmm. And he'd pull out sword and fist, flip, flip, flip. Oh, right here, here's the feet. This guy, even by just a few levels in, was effectively untouchable, effectively could not miss. I mean, he had everything going for him. He had a wonderful AC, wonderful saving throws, did huge amounts of damage, had single punches that could force a save or die. Did he have an interesting character and background? Oh, uh, actually, it wasn't bad. Hmm? And this was Tim. I mean, (laughs) but it was seriously one of Tim's best characters. You mean Bim? It was Bim. (laughs) But it, it was one of his best characters. In terms of the, how, the, stu- the, not the numbers, yeah, yeah not the, the numbers, story. yeah. But I kept having to nerf the crap out of his character because we would go into combats and everybody else was like, "Why are we even here?" Right? You know, there was one combat where I had literally a tower filled with enemies, <laughs> top to bottom. This is a Bruce Lee movie. Yeah, it was about like that. And when he went in there, I real quick did the math and realized numerically. He could take on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the Tower no, of the not Game just of take Death? On, not just take on. 
This would be like, forget Bruce Lee, you're sending Superman. Right. It was like, not only can he take him on, numerically, he cannot lose. It is impossible for this other individual, or effectively impossible for this other individual, to stop him or hurt him. And I, I just threw up my hands, and I'm like, okay. All right. You've just beaten the whole tower. And... Let's give Dale a chance okay. to give his wrong opinion. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. So, Dale, All right. go ahead and fail forward. Well, Dale, okay. I don't so, think you're wrong, but I don't think you're right either. Okay. So, here's the thing. As a Pathfinder-compatible publisher, uh, I let me just be flat-out honest and say that you've actually hit on one of the real nerves of uh, of every compatible publisher out there in that during the third edition era of Dungeons & Dragons... The number one publisher of broken material was Wizards of the Coast by far. Oh, yes. The books I'm naming here are all, are all Wizards yes. primary. Compatible publishers tend to be far more balanced. Yes, there are exceptions that everyone can point to. Uh, here's this one right here. Yeah, there are those. Yes. But the thing is, is that they compatible publishers have to be more balanced than the main publisher because... If we don't, we get a re bad reputation of being unbalanced, and nobody buys our products anymore. So we how in the world can you balance when the publisher is releasing things that are unbalanced? Well, and now I, you hit on a I major will, problem yeah, that all of us have. I will yes. certainly grant <laughs> his issue, yeah. which is that when you say splat book or supplement book, or whatever you, you want to call it, sure. my immediate free association is books that caused a problem in my game, mm -hmm. either because I did not know what was in them or because of the fact that what was in them was wildly unbalanced. And to your point, I have seen this get thrown at me from third-party publishers or from canonical off-the-beaten-path stuff like Dragon Magazine. Mm -hmm. But most of it, yeah, it's core product. Yeah. You know, it's like Sword and Fist. Mm -hmm. That was a Watsy product. Yeah. That was not something that some random drive through publisher put out. Sure. That was a core Watsy product. And as a result, when someone comes to me and says, hey, I have this thing from John Brazer, which is your mm -hmm. publishing company. My first reaction is, hell no, because Sword and Fist. Right. And that is admittedly unfair to you. It is. And that's uh, that's something that a lot of compatible publishers face is, is, yeah, someone out there somewhere, possibly even the main publisher, have published something that was broken and therefore let's just eliminate all of it. And that's that's a major problem. It's, okay, so to go back to something Wayne was talking about a moment, a little bit ago, that someone who plays a lot of something is going to get tired of the core rulebook options, and they're going to want something else. So, like me personally, I would love to play a catfolk, or I would love to play a uh, wood, oh. or I'd love to play a uh, wood golem uh, player character, or um, oh my god, I can think of the jokes now. Hob <laughs> Or a hobgoblin, or a thousand different races. I'd much rather play before I'd ever play a dwarf, an elf, a halfling. Uh, I'll play gnomes before I'll play most of the other races in the core rule books. Because for a human, so I'll play a human every so often. But you know, it's I'd much rather play something that is. So when I hear that as a GM, my first mm -hmm. thought is I understand. Mm -hmm. But now I also need to learn about what is the culture of the cat folk to sure. make sure I inter 
you know, integrate that into the game because that's something I want to do. And do sure. you find what out? is the mechanics of the cat folk? Because I don't know that. And right. How does that balance with this monster I'm about to throw at you? Well, there's also the social problem in that if on paper it looks okay, mm-hmm. but having never seen one before, you go and play your cat folk, and all of a sudden I realize that this perk plus this perk plus this perk chain together in an unexpected way to where my encounters aren't working or you're dominating social scenes or whatever the issue is. Sure. It is a hell of a lot easier to say up front, you may only play the core book mm-hmm. than it is for me to say, I know you're enjoying your cat person, mm-hmm. but they got to get out. Yep. It's and- because it's not, I don't like where this is headed. And this creates table drama that would not have happened if I had just said, you got to stick with the core book. And I will say, I'm not the complete hardliner on it. Okay. If we were talking about it and you came and said, none of the cork races interest mm-hmm. me. Sure. I have a real interest in this. Sure. I would have that conversation. Okay. But if I throw that out in the beginning, that these are the allowed books, mm-hmm. then everyone isn't going to come with something special that one person might come and negotiate with me. And I'm willing to negotiate with anyone. Okay. And but I don't want to have the fair. whole table. Yes. And, and I will that. grant the same thing Wayne did, which is when I allow splat stuff, it is typically management by exception. And I don't know how common the phrase management by exception is outside of IT. So what management by exception means is you don't try and deal with the norm. You assume everything is running by the norm, and then you deal with the weird stuff individually. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in this case, what I would do is I'd say, okay, you got to use core book, Plus Xanthars. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm allowing. But you come to me and say, Dan, I just really can't play another elf. And I think you never should have played a first one. <laughs> and, you know, I want to play a cat folk. Okay, we, this is management by exception. I'm not allowing a whole book. But I'm saying if you show me the racial stats for a cat folk, mm-hmm. maybe we can make this work. And okay. if you explain to me how they fit into the game world, maybe we can make this work. Now, this doesn't ma- mean I'm going to allow you to use the compendium of kitties sure, and everything that's in it. Absolutely. But this is what I did when I played Narl. And mm-hmm. it was what I did again when I played my Waymick mm-hmm. is I went ahead and managed myself by exception. I went to the game master. Hi. I, well, yeah, it was <laughs> one game. It was you with the other game. It was Mary. And I did my own homework. What I did is I said, okay, with Narl, we worked out in advance, this is how gnolls fit into the world. We did that when we were discussing the setting. It was a homegrown setting that we collaboratively built over a oh, dinner. Oh, the setting, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I, I, I was like, well, no, it was D&D. But yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't... Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the setting. setting yeah. And the fact that there had been a major war between humans and a bunch of non-humans, which were predominantly led by gnolls, was already an established part of the world. Yep. So we knew how they fit in. Chad didn't have to go read the book on Knowles. Chad just had to have the conversation with Dan. Yeah. And with, with the Waymick, I asked Mary, I said, are there Waymicks in your world? And she said, well, there are these prairies over here. And yes, there are species like that that live in those prairies and so on and so forth. So, well, and it's one thing to come and say, okay, I want to play this cat folk. Mm-hmm. It's another to come and say, I want to play the cat folk from this book. I want to play the 
class from this book, and I want to have the sword from this third book. Yeah, well, I agree. Oh. But let me give you one As more. As someone who has done that, I under I can understand a GM who wants to ban it. But as someone who's absolutely loves doing that. Yo, it's like I like oh. keeping things simple, and the more books you involve, even looking at Dresden Files, we've got three books. The third book, there's there's nothing we reference. I quit bringing it mm-hmm. because it's another book to carry. I don't need to reference it for any reason. Everything I need is in one of the two books. Well, and I think the test I would use is the good old what I call the FCD test of Are you playing this for no reason other than the fact that it's fun, cool, and different? You know, and or has fine. Well, to a but, point, to a but, point, as but, long as you have all your other fundamentals. Well, that's my problem yeah. is when somebody comes to me with an FCD pitch, I want a fun, cool and different thing. See, usually they're not thinking about balance. That's, that's exactly why I asked you about Bim's character, you know, because, uh, you know, it's like, oh, he could stop somebody's heart. He had death rays and blah, 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 all this certain fist stuff. Do you have an interesting character? Yeah, and, he actually, and you surprised the crap out of me because he usually yeah. doesn't. Yeah, it was but, a shockingly good yeah. character. It was I never thought I would accept. Look, D and D to me, it is it, it, how it's typically run. Right, it's European fantasy that exists somewhere between the late Dark Ages, the High Middle Ages, and maybe the real early Renaissance, depending on the setting. But it runs somewhere in there, and it is European in feel. The idea of an Eastern quivering Buddha palm right. monk just doesn't fit into the world for me. And I, I, but no, he made one that had a distinctively in culture feel. He wasn't the random traveler from the Far East. It had a distinctively in setting feel. Wait, was he playing Danny Rand? Iron Fist? No. Oh, okay. he was because I would no. He he. So he picked up uh, one of the. Optional gods, I think Ilmeter is the name of the god. And what he is, he's basically, uh, he was... Isn't that a kind of cheese? But he was the a god of cheese. suffering. Yeah. And I don't mean suffering as I'm going to hurt you and derive power from that, but it's in like, he's a suffering messiah type. Yeah. He played that really well. He played that really well in terms of, I am here to deal with problems so you don't have to, even if it means great harm to me. And I was able to give him a lot of magical items and a lot of optional powers that were based around things like he could touch someone and heal them of anything that was wrong with them. Like complete, this was a higher level power, but like completely total hit points, everything's gone, but it takes him down to zero hit points to do it. And he has to be saved from the threshold of death. And, you know, it was a neat character. He did a great job with it. He, this character was really about hobbling himself for the good of others. But the problem I had was when I introduced these splat books, it was a total freaking mess. When I played both Gnarl and my Waymek, there was something that I did for the GMs in both games, which is, first, I made sure they had a context in the world. And secondly, I showed them my proof of work, meaning what I did, one was for three, five, one was for five. So for the 3-5 Knoll and then the 5th edition Waymick, I went through the races and I took a sample of like three of the core races, like human, elf, halfling, whatever, didn't matter. And I said, okay, here's their attribute modifiers. Here's their secondary powers they get. They get this perk, this perk, this perk. You know, they have dark vision. They can do whatever. They're, they're plus two to save versus charm. I mean, whatever it was. Sure. And I enumerated it for all of the other races. 
or, that I was dealing with. And what that gave me was a sense of norm, okay? And then I did a one-to-one translation where I said, my null slash Waymick is going to get this, and I'm equating it to this in this other race. And they're going to get this, and I'm equating it to this in this other race. And I showed how my character, I mean, I had the proof mm-hmm. drawn out in a grid on a piece of notebook paper. I showed the proof that this was perfectly balanced with everything else that was in the game. And that's a great way of balancing a race when you're creating your own race. Yeah, well, I, and I think my problem with Splatbooks is I never see these evidences. You know, Splatbook doesn't typically have a proof of balance. Sure, they just typically show you the final product, not so much the... Okay, How they arrived there, yeah. Right. I, I mean, let's use Battletech as a positive example. In Battletech, Tex and I actually deconstructed this. There is an underlying mathematical formula to all their weapons that all of them balance out to a certain thing, that if you work in the tonnage, the damage, the ranges, the minimum ranges, the heat, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, there is an underlying singular mathematical formula to their weapons. So I can tell you pretty quickly if a new weapon idea you have fits in universe or not. D&D does not have a mechanism like that because a lot of what they throw in, it isn't quantitative, it's qualitative. It's, you know, what is it worth mathematically to be able to see in the dark? Additional supplements actually do have that. Pathfinder actually has the advanced race guide, which actually says puts a point value on okay, here's this thing, it has this match points, and they have in the back of the book, humans get this, 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 10 points. Dwarves have this, this, and this, 11 points. Elves have this, this, and this, 9 points, and so forth. Right, and that's always one of the interesting things, was they had, in 2nd edition D&D, mm-hmm. they had a race and class creation system. You could not create a good chunk of their races and classes using their own common system. <laughs> And I think that said everything that needed to be said about how well that formula worked. And so I think a lot of times, not always, but many times in my experience, those formula are added after the fact. And sure, a yeah. lot of times you notice pretty quickly that the things they created break their own system. Sure. So, I will also say as a GM, the more I've run a system, the more mm-hmm. I'm willing to start letting new things come in. Mm-hmm. So like with Pathfinder... The very first times I've interacted with it, it's going to be the core couple books. Sure. Then you start adding in Ultimate Combat and some things like that. And then suddenly they have bookshelves full of books that I find overwhelming. As a first-time GM, that's absolutely, yeah, stick with just the core role book. And any player that can't understand that should be slapped up alongside the head. But this is your fifth or sixth time. Mm, Let a few things in from other things for, uh, for the players. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2020. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.